Canine Cast number 16. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hello out there, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And aloha, it's Walter. First tonight, we would like to apologize to you um, because we were not able to put out a Canine Cast on Monday. Sorry about that. It's my fault. Well, Walter was suddenly called off on business, so we were kind of stuck. But that's all right because now he's back and we'll be able to get back into our routine. So at the end of our last show, we played our first voicemail from a listener, Renee, who is located in Seattle and was looking for recommendations on a boarding kennel. Now, we haven't actually received recommendations from our Seattle listeners, but what we've done is some research and we've found some links to some pages that will give you some tips on boarding your dog. And in addition to that, we're going to go ahead and discuss that today so that you can feel pretty confident when, that you'll find a good place to board your dog when you're getting ready to go on your trip. So, first of all, I want to I want to talk a little bit about the the good and the bad of using a boarding kennel, just some things to look at. When you when you decide to board your dog, it's actually a really good idea if you're going out of town to board your dog rather than having say friends or family watch them because that way they'll get a lot of attention and supervision by professionals who know what to look for, say if your dog starts showing signs of being sick. And also they are set they're set up and do this all the time. So while friends or family may accidentally say allow your dog to slip out the front door, that's l much less likely to happen in a boarding kennel. The drawbacks, however, are that it will be an unfamiliar environment for your dog. So that'll be a little bit stressful. They'll also be in close proximity to other pets. So that could expose them to health problems, although the kennels do work to avoid that a little bit. And also, you know, you have to you have to drive them over and leave them there, which can be a little bit of an inconvenience when you're planning everything else on your trip. However, if you're using a pet sitter or friends and family, then you have to arrange with them to show them the routine for your dog, too. So either way, you'll be dealing with that, um, getting kind of out of the routine and having that on your list. So without further ado, if you've decided to board your dog, then what you want to do is to find a good kennel. The best thing to do is to ask friends, um, your veterinarian, you can also call up animal shelters in the area um, or consult a dog trainer. Now, a lot of veterinarians will also offer boarding as part of their services at the vet. So if yours does that, then that can be a great place to start because your dog will not, on not only be taken care of by professionals who do this, but they'll be around people that they've probably met before in an environment that's a little bit more familiar for them. And especially if they happen to like their vet, then that's a good way to go. But fr friends or dog trainers in the area or an animal shelter may be able to tell you of some other really good places to go. Now, just because they recommend these places, however, you still are going to want to do a background check on them. And if you, do, if you don't have any recommendations from you know, friends and family, then what you, can, what you can do is go ahead and check under the yellow pages under Kennels and Pet Boarding and start there. And you'll want to do the same background check regardless of where you find out about the boarding kennels and the names. We also have got, gotten a great link 
uh, for you that will be on our enhanced podcast and on our website. Um, that one is for um, finepethair.com. And what you can do is just go in there and choose that you're looking for the Seattle area. And we actually found um, 78 boarding kennels. That's in the area, so not all of them are in Seattle itself. So depending on where you live, some of them may be closer or further from you. But that's another good place to start to look for the names of boarding kennels. Now, the, fir the first thing that I would recommend doing after that is to go ahead and call your Better Business Bureau and see if there have been any complaints lodged against any of these kennels. Um, normally, they'll, they'll keep track of that and they'll be able to share that information for you. And if you do hear of complaints, then you can either cross that one off your list or you can keep that in mind if it sounds like something that may have been an extenuating circumstance. Now, some states require boarding kennel inspections. Uh, I'm not sure whether or not Washington State does, but if they do, then make sure that the kennel that you are considering displays either a license or a certificate. That will show that the kennel meets standards that are set by the state. So, um, so those will be some minimum standards that you know that they will do that or better. Another thing that you can do is can you can also see if the kennel belongs to the American Boarding Kennels Association. Um, it, it's, it goes by ABKA. That's a trade association that was put together by kennel operators who basically wanted to establish their own um, standards uh, for pet care for pets that are left, are left with them. And now they've actually expanded that to more than just boarding, but that is one of their important categories. What they do is their members have to go by a certain code of ethics and, all, and then what they will do is the ABKA offers facility accreditation that basically says that the ABKA has come in, they've inspected it, and they an actual kennel has shown the correct standards of professionalism, quality of care, safety, and concern for the animals. Now, they can still be many different types of boarding kennels. Um, some will have indoor-outdoor runs. Some of them will keep them inside and then take them out for exercise. These things can vary, but there are certain standards that these kennels must meet in terms of always uh, having food and water available for the dogs and cleanliness. Um, just general, general things like that, which are what you're going to want for your dog so that they'll be well taken care of. Now, after you've gone through these background checks, which you, can, which you can kind of do from your own home, you can just call the kennels that you're interested in and ask them if they have been inspected by the state, if that's applicable, or if not, if they're members of the American Boarding Kennel Association, and if so, if they have been inspected and if they are accredited by this organization. After, after that, what you can do is go ahead and make sure that they actually have room for your pet to board during the times that you're gone. Now, I recommend starting this process at least a few weeks, if not a month, before you're leaving because a lot of the really good ones will fill up beforehand and you don't want to be in a position where it's the last week and you're rushing around to get this done. So be sure that, that they can accommodate your pet and the next thing that you want to do is schedule a visit with them. And I say schedule it because that way they 
should have somebody who's available to actually take you through the kennel, show you what, what it is, what it looks like, and what their procedures are. Now, when you go on this visit, ask for them to show you all of the places where your pet will be, where your pet will be housed, where your pet will play, um, those kinds of things. Keep in mind that they may not actually want visitors to enter these areas. If so, that's okay. A lot of reasons, or a lot of times the reasons why are because they don't want visitors accidentally, say, um, exposing, exposing dogs um, to one another and possible diseases. For example, if, uh, if dogs have kennel cough, say the, um, the doggy sneezes, if a person just walking down there puts their hand um, towards the nose of the different dogs, and you know, the dogs come up and they're friendly, so people tend to do that, they can easily pass that on. So that's something that a lot of them will want to avoid. The ones that will let you in there will probably warn you not to um, touch any of the dogs or go too close to them so that you can avoid that. In any case, if they are not going to be able to actually take you back there, they should have a way for you to look at it either um, through a window or maybe from the side, um, something like that so you can kind of get an idea of the layout, the size of the kennels, whether the kennels will have an indoor-outdoor run. Things that you want to look for are, first of all, you, but you want it to smell clean. I mean, it's possible that there may have been an accident or two that they just haven't gotten to yet, but you, you know, don't really want to see accidents everywhere, um, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, you'll want to make sure that there is good ventilation, that there are good light, that there's good lighting for your dogs, just so that it keeps them more comfortable. That the temperature is okay. Um, it, you don't. You want to make sure that if it's you know if it's inside outside, or say that they have that they have ways to keep it warm or keep it cool, depending on what needs to be done. You also want to to try and talk to the staff if you can a little bit. Kind of observe them, see what they're doing, see if it looks like they're you know they're really paying attention to the dogs and they're caring, and that they know pretty well what they're doing because that's why you're taking your dog to the kennel. You want knowledgeable staff who will know what to look for. So if your dog starts displaying signs of being sick, if your dog starts you know coughing or has an upset stomach, they will know to watch out for that and they will know what things to look for be able to tell whether or not it's stress or it's something that needs to be investigated further. Now, one thing that's very important, as I've said, by boarding your dog, you can expose them to more um, risk for sicknesses than they would get at home. But the, the kennels should negate this by requiring that all pets are current on their vaccinations. In getting ready to board your dog, you want to go ahead and make sure that your dog is current on the vaccinations. And a very important one is the Bordetella vaccine. That one they don't necessarily always give at your dog's annual or when your dog gets the boosters for their shots. The Bordetella is specifically for if they will be around contact with a lot of other dogs. That is the one that actually um, can help keep them from getting kennel cough. They need to have that updated about once every six months. Normally they have a little spray that they put up their nose. Um, for it. So it's it's pretty painless and quick for them to get it, but you'll want to make sure that your dog has that because they they will be around other dogs at this time. Now, all right, another thing that you're going that you're going to want is for your dog to have an adequately sized run. 
So, ba so basically that will depend on the size of your dog. If you have multiple dogs, then you'll want to ask whether they can be housed together, if you would like them to be or not. And you want to make sure that in some way they'll be able to be um, indoors and outdoors if at all possible. Meaning they may have an indoor-outdoor run where part of it's inside and then there's a little bit outside. They're, the runs where they're kept may actually be all inside, but then they are taken outside to a play area every day. Just something like that. You want your dogs to be able to go inside and outside and have enough, have enough room to kind of work, work off some of that doggy energy that uh, most of them have so, so much of. Now, if they do have outdoor, outdoor runs, outdoor exercise areas, whatever the case is, you want to make sure that these are either protected from wind, rain, and snow, or that if it's, say, an indoor-outdoor run, that there's a way that they can close it off when these things happen so that the outdoor inclement weather conditions aren't going to come inside and affect the, and affect the dogs. You want there to be some type of, of bedding, something soft for them to lay on. So you're, And what's best is if they have um, some type of a bed or a board or something that lifts them up off the concrete floor so they can kind of get a break from that during the day. You want to make sure that, there it, that, um, that there's enough like, space for them to move around comfortably, but also ask and see where the different types of animals are housed. Some kennels will put, um, say, cats and dogs together, although I think that's fairly rare these days. That can be an object of stress for your dog if they're not used to being around other animals. Also, find out how often they're fed. If you have a special food for your dog, ask if you can bring it along. Most places will allow you to do that. And then also find out what other services are there. Um, most of them will have a veterinarian that they can consult with if they notice any problems. And a lot of places will do such things as groom your dog or bathe your dog before they go home. Some, some offer some training, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend going away on vacation and expecting to come back to a completely trained dog if your dog isn't already but that may be something that your dog would enjoy doing while they're there. Uh, I also would recommend getting the bathing done before they come home, especially if you're gone for more than a few days because with, uh, with all of the dogs there and them running, running around in the runs inside and outside, they can get a little bit dirtier than normal and maybe not smell quite as sweet as you would like them to when they go back in their house. So that's, that's something to think about. Now, after you've gone through all of this, and you found your favorite kennel, what you're going to want to do is to kind of prepare your pet um, by doing a test run. And a lot of kennels will ask that you do this. Basically, you'll just want to, um, to schedule a time when you can leave your dog there overnight for just one night so they can see how your dog does and you can go ahead and also, you know, for, for yourself, you can see what your dog does what things you may want to bring along that you hadn't thought of before or what things you may want to do differently um, before you leave. Now, on the actual day that you're leaving, please remember to make sure that you have all of the supplies that you need for your dog, including any special dog food that they, that they may need, any of their medications, as well as instructions for giving the medication to your dog. They should be able to do that at the kennel for you. Also, it's a good idea to take along your veterinarian's phone number in case they do need to consult with your veterinarian about anything. And also, let them know how they can get in touch with you, 
even though you're on your vacation, they'll still want to be able to let you know if they have any questions or concerns. And it's also helpful to give them the contact phone number for somebody locally, either a friend or family that they can talk to as well in case you need that. That's pretty, that's pretty much everything that you need to know in order to get your, get your dog to the kennel, um, find the kennel for your dog, and then um, take them there so that they'll have a good time. And, you know, try not to feel, um, try not to feel like, you know, worried about your dog or anything like that. Because most dogs, especially after they've gone, they've gone to boarding a couple of times in a place where they're familiar with and are comfortable with it, absolutely love it. They get to go there. They get to be with the other dogs. Some kennels let them play with the other dogs during supervised playtime. And they'll probably be really, really tired out when you get home. And that's, that's okay. It's not abnormal for them to sleep for a day or two after being boarded. And then they'll go back to their normal chipper self. So what you're doing is you're preparing your pet for a great time or a little vacation of their own while you're on your vacation. But, uh, but best of luck with finding uh, the perfect kennel for your dog and have a great time on your trip. All right, so if you have any more questions regarding boarding your dogs, please write in and let us know along with any of your comments about the show. Uh, what else would be very interesting would be if anybody has some exciting stories about boarding their dogs as well. So speaking of questions and comments, we have a question from Paula. She writes in, I have a seven-month-old Boston Terrier puppy, and while I've taken her to puppy class and she's good at sitting and staying, I've never figured out how to train a dog to heal. I heard a lot of conflicting advice. Stop walking altogether, pull her back, just keep repeating good heel when she's in the correct position, but don't feel like anything is clear enough. How will the dog know I'm praising her position by my left side specifically and not praising just walking or moving forward from sitting or something else entirely? And when she's on the leash, should she always be healing so it's consistent or is it okay to let her wander forward when I just want to take a walk and not be in training mode for a solid hour? Tokyo, my Boston, is not clicker trained. If there is a way to train her without the clicker, I would prefer that. Well, Paula, um, a, f a few things for you. Number one, so far as training her without the clicker, that's, there are great ways to train without the clicker. Using the clicker is just one method that's interesting and kind of fun, but you can, of course, get um, the same information across, across without the clicker. Some ways that I would do that with healing, and I, I hear what you're saying about getting a lot of conflicting advice. Basically, there are just many, many methods out there, and different ones work well for different dogs. So it's, so it's good, actually, that you've heard all of um, this different advice because you can kind of use some different things and see what works best for your dog. So far as stop walking altogether, and a, a method that a lot of people call be a tree, um, will sometimes, uh -huh. well, uh -huh. well so that's really what they call it, though, uh, act like a tree, don't move. That's, that sometimes works really well with some dogs, and the ones where it works well It'll, it'll happen after two or three times. And basically what you would want to do is the moment that that leash gets tight, you want to completely, completely stop and not move until the dog actually backs up to you, um, which, is, which is sometimes hard to do. Um, and, it's, and it's hard to see exactly when, get the timing of exactly when the leash gets looser. But um, if, that, if that's been working, then that's a good one to keep, go to keep going with. 
it just can take a little while sometimes. Um, two of my two of my favorite ways to do it. Um, number one is the is the shadowing game, and basically what that is is you just kind of go out go out walking with your dog, and that's that's kind of I think what you were getting to about saying um, good heel when she's in the correct position. Um, basically, what you do is you go out and you walk, and your dog goes wherever she goes, and event and eventually she may pull on the leash. Well, as soon as the leash gets tight, go ahead and walk in the opposite direction of where she's pulling. So what will happen is she will, she will feel, you know, she'll kind of feel you pulling against her. But when she turns around, she sees your back and you walk in away from her. So this works great with puppies, by the way. So naturally, she's going to want to catch up with you. Once she does that and the, le- the leash is loose... Then you go ahead and tell and tell her good heel, good girl. Praise her in some praise her in some way. If you have treats or you have a toy that you use in motivating her, you can give her the treat or play with the toy a little bit, and that's great. And then at some and then at some point, it may be 30 seconds later, it may be half a second later, she may dash off and pull again. And what you do is you just again turn in the opposite direction. And she's going to feel you going that way. When she turns around, oh, no, you know, she's looking at your back again. You're walking away from her. So she's going to run and catch up with you. Now, the I guess the, the drawback, quote unquote, to this method is that it takes a really long time to teach them to actually heal and get in the heel position um, like this. If you want a real a really good heel position like you would use for, say, competitive obedience. But it's great for puppies because you can make it into a game. And the, the, re- the real trick of it is that you remain really upbeat. And the dog learns that it's better for them to be in the general heel area. Kind, and you want to praise them when they're by your left-hand side. And that it's better to have the leash be loose and them to be kind of close there with you. So that's a great way to start out with healing. Again, some dogs take to this really well. And some dogs, not as well. But with puppies, I find that this is a great time to do that with them because they're at the stage where they naturally are going to kind of want to be where you are anyway. They may get distracted by other things, but once they see that you're leaving, then they're going to run to be with you because that's where they really want to be. So that's kind of a game that you can make out of it to use. Now, if you want, if you want her to be able to heal on command, walk with you, stop when you stop, then the best way I found to do that is to basically just take it really slow and break it down. Go ahead and go to the most boring place you can think of with no distractions, maybe the middle of your living room. Go ahead and take your your motivator, your little toy or your little treat, and have your dog sit by your left-hand side where you want them to be when they're healing. Then what you want to do is take one step forward, They'll move with you, and then you put them back in the sit position. All right? Now, you'll do that once or twice until they kind of seem like they're getting the idea, oh, okay, I'm going to move forward with you, and then you're going to sit. Then, once they kind of get the idea, you're going to take two steps. So it'll, it'll take a little while to build this one up. This one works, though. This, this, is, this is the one where if you, if you really, really want them um, to be by your side, it takes a long time. It's kind of a little bit boring to do. But um, I found it to be the most effective on the most dogs. The other, the other ones are, are fun games to kind of give her the idea, but this is the one that's going to probably put her right next to you. 
So what you're going to do is you're going to keep building up. So long as she's doing well and she stays by your side and pays attention to you and, and you can get her to sit once you're done, then you keep going and you can increase the steps. Now, if you get to a point where she gets bored and starts looking around, say maybe when you get to, I don't know, five steps, she, get, she um, loses her attention and her focus on you, then go back to the last time she was successful, go back to four steps, do it, do it at four steps, and then praise her, and then let her go. Okay, that's what that's what you're gonna do. That training session is over. And speaking of training sessions, how long? You know, of course, you don't want to run this. Do what? Maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time each each uh, session. Not not even. I would say for for something for something like this, like healing like healing like this, where you're doing just like one or two or three steps at a time. I would say no longer than five minutes. Um, because it take it takes a lot of coordination and it kind of you know it can wear you out the as well as the dog. The will lose their attention and you'll just be wasting the the training on them. Right, right. Well, you don't. The the point is you don't want to get frustrated. You don't want the dog to get frustrated. And if you keep it up for longer than that, then that may happen. Um, but as I said, start this in some place that's really boring. Once you can get up to about ten steps or so, then go ahead and take it to a place where there's a little bit of distraction. Um, maybe your backyard if you have a backyard. Or if you, say, live in an apartment, go to right near your apartment, somewhere that she's really, really familiar with, and go ahead and do this with her there. And, of course, you'll want her on the lead. Now, once they get the idea that they're going to sit and then walk with you and sit again, the sitting is really important because if they, lo if they get distracted, if they start to go wander and, and sniff around, you can use the sitting next to you almost as a reset button and start and start over then what you'll want to do is you'll want to work your way up outside now to answer another question of yours you are at you are asking um you know how do you, how do we how does the dog know that you're praising the, pos the position that they're in um that's going to depend on your timing if you know you want to always praise them when they you know when they are in the correct position if you're wanting her to just be generally by your left hand side then praise her when she's generally by your left hand side side and that's regardless of if she is moving or sitting or or you know something else entirely so long as she's kind of being calm and controlled by your left hand side that's what you want her to do if you want um if you want her to be in a real heel position say you're training for competitive obedience you will want to praise her when she is in the correct position, meaning that her shoulder matches up with the seam of your, of your pants or your shorts and that she's sitting when you're stopped, specifically. Also, um, you're asking if, when she's unleashed, if she should always be healing. What I, what I would recommend that you do is to make use of a release word. And a release word is anything that you use to tell your dog that they are done with what they're doing. Um, you've probably used one in training class. You said that she's getting really good at staying. Well, your release word would be what you use to tell her that she can stop staying. When you're working on heel, use the release word to let her know that she can kind of sniff around a little bit. Um, however, if she, in sniffing around, decides to start jerking you down the sidewalk, that would be a great time to take her back to sitting and reset or to start playing the shadowing game which means you're going to walk off in the opposite direction. So that's, that's what I would um, recommend you do. And probably a combination of those two things at her age will work really well. But, um, but ba basically, healing is one of the toughest things to teach a dog 
especially to get them to do it well. And it's something that you're going to want to work on and reinforce for their whole life. And that's, that's just normal. It just, you know, it's just something that um, takes a really long time. And as, and as you brought up, it's kind of, it's kind of tough um, teaching them, you know, clearly that healing is being by your left-hand side, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're going forward, staying still, or turning in circles. Um, now, to be, to be really clear as to, exa as to exactly um, when you're going to do the praise, if you don't want to use a clicker, but you do want to use some kind of a, a marker to let her know, okay, that, that's what I want, you can do that by, um, by using a keyword, like maybe yes, or good, or yay. Or you can use a sound, like you can snap your finger, or uh, maybe do a click of your tongue, something along those lines as well. Um, and that's if you want to mark a very, very clear position. But otherwise, general praise just for being in that area um, should cut it. So uh, if, you have, if you have any follow-ups on that, then you know, please write back in. And let me, let me know how she's doing. It, it will take, it will take uh, a really long time, and you will have to practice um, in places starting off that are really boring and work up to more distracting places because each time that you change your venue, it will get even hard. It will get harder again, and you have to kind of um, go at it a little slower. You say it'll take a really long time, but you should start noticing some improvement on some kind of level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like you'll see, it won't just be like a long time of like <laughs> training a brick wall. No, 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 no. It you, what'll what'll happen is you get you, is you get improvement. You get improvement in small increments. Like um like right now she may she may not be healing too much at all. Um if you do if you do this for say 15 minutes a day for a week, then she may heal with you pretty well for about for 10 steps, for example. Um if you if you continue doing this then she may be able to heal with you pretty nicely for about, you know, 15, 20 seconds. It'll, it takes a really long time to work up to where they will stay in heel position for an hour-long walk because that takes a lot of, um, of mental thinking, you know, on their part and a lot of mental activity. So I, do, so I do recommend also using your release word, letting her know when she can kind of go sniff and things, just so long as you don't let her pull you on the leash, then that's fine. And let me tell you, having a dog that heals is wonderful. I, growing up, I had always wanted to have a dog that would stick with me, you know, and be with me when, when we were out on walks. And uh, having that, having the ability to do that on command is, is really, really cool. So it's possible for you to do it, too. Right. And, and also, um, try, try to find your dog's limitations. Uh, for, for example, Kyler is great at healing inside. She's a healing champ. When I take her outside, she can do really well, too. However, if there is a squirrel, then I know that it's going to be really, really tough on her. So, so that would be a time when I would really, really I would talk to her a lot and do everything I can to keep her attention on me. You'll want to do the same thing with Tokyo. Look to see what things she likes. Maybe she li really, really likes sniffing mailboxes. If you, see a, if you see a mailbox, then you know that that's a time that you really have to kind of shift it into high gear to make yourself extra exciting to keep her focus on you rather than on the thing that normally would distract her. Well, I think it's time for us to make like trees. And in the immortal words of Biff Tannen from Back to the Future, we're going to make like a tree and get out of here. Yes, I, th I think it's about time for the end of the show. But um, thanks for sending in, sending in those questions. And please remember to send in your questions, comments, also stories and pictures. We do have some more pictures of our listeners' dogs that we're going to put up on the website. Some really, really cute ones. 
So be sure to check those out, and um, we, will, we will talk to you again next time. Until then, if you haven't already, please spay or neuter your dog, because it's the best thing you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about CanineCast, please leave us a voice message by calling 206-338-DOGS. That's 206-338-3647. Or post a comment on our website at CanineCast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com.